sit quietly for 45 minutes again. So now it's about 2.30, quarter to three. We wait, quarter to four, he comes out for 15 minutes, and then he goes out again at four, and it was going to go on for a couple more hours, and I asked for my money back. I said, I've seen him for 15 minutes. I didn't pay $150 to sit with everybody quietly. <laughs> I thought I wanted to, I thought we were seeing this person, but he didn't never saw the person, basically. You spent most of the time with other people who were paying to see the person. So, it's a great business, man. It's a great business plan. It really is. I just, I just, it just, it just always used to get me how, you know, whatever. whatever. So, uh, you're doing it all I have been, I, but I haven't had, I didn't get the right business planner when I entered this. So. I think our launch was off when we launched the, the Paul Hedeman project. <laughs> It ran into some snags and everyone jumped jumped off the boat. (laughs) Ah, Whatever. This is a message, yes? And really, just humbly to try to put it as simply as possible in the beginning, because everything else is just attempting to bring the mind back to prior to this beginning we're going to talk about, which is that the navigational system we're relying on, the head, yeah, the mental processes are flawed. Yeah, they already have been structured. That there is a split aspect of mind that has produced a sense of subject objectness, yeah? and in a sense, and we are the epitome of that as an identified mind, which is we are identified with an object, but we're believing it has subjective qualities. So, we're like the hybrid of the two subjects and objects, which is how we're going to see everything from now on. So, usually when I see life, I see life as it's happening to me. So, I'm the subject to life, and life is the object, let's say. So, the subject-object is the crux of all duality. Yeah? So the mind is split, and so the mind, the way the mind works here is usually in comparison of opposites, in a way. So you wouldn't know th- that day was day unless there was a night, yes? You wouldn't, you wouldn't know what love or hate was unless there was an opposite. So the split mind occurs, and then like in Hinduism, they talk about the first movement of the split mind is to give name to form. Yeah, so everything is given name, all the objects are given name, and obviously they've already been given form by the object. So we all think we see trees, but in a subjective manner we see them differently probably, but we take it to be a tree. There's an agreement, yeah? So that's based on name and form. So name and form is, a, is sort of a categorization of the split mind. So the split mind is subject-object, and then it describes his, its world in, in, a, in a dualistic manner. Yeah? So the, and a lot of times, so we're always, so let's say, then we, we the mental state misreads the, the sense of subjectivity coming through and says it's subjective. In other words, the object now takes the qualities of subjectivity, right? And it's now become subjective. So it's my, I'm, it's my subjective take on the world. 
Yes? So the body now, the body with, which the brain is a part of, the brain informs us that we are what's conscious. Yeah? And now consciousness, like that book you showed me last night, all there is is consciousness, but then conscious, consciousness becomes an attribute that we have, and either we're more or less conscious. Yeah? In other words, we can acquire more consciousness, and we can become less conscious. So the idea of all there is is consciousness is totally lost by the split mind interpreting it into a division. Yes? So now I'm this, and I can become more conscious, and I be- can become less conscious. Yes? But all there is is consciousness. So how could all there is, if all there is is consciousness, how could there be more consciousness or less consciousness? If all there is is consciousness. In other words, if the sense of consciousness was truly felt, you'd realize all there is is consciousness. But it's, it's, it's what it is. It's mentally interpreted as an attribute I have. So now I believe I can practice and do things and become more conscious but on the opposite level, I'm afraid that anything I don't do, if I am, or if I omit something, I'll be less conscious. So now consciousness becomes like a, a commodity that our mental state deals with. Yes. So I'm going to do this, I'm going to invest this time and this effort, and I'm hoping I get more consciousness out of it. And if I stop meditating, or if I miss that meeting, or if I don't hear the teacher when he's in town, I have a feeling I'll become less conscious. This is what happens. The, the, let's say the facts become interpreted. And they become, as soon as the interpretation has claimed it, it splits it. So now, because you're taken to be the subject, it objectifies everything else. So the idea of enlightenment is felt to be a thing. Like there's a thing, there's like a thing called enlightenment that I want to happen to me. In other words, like there's a dangling safe at 6th and Market, and I want to angle myself under that safe, so when that safe falls, I'll be struck with enlightenment. Because yeah? it's the way the mental state holds anything is conceptually. It can't grok anything at all as it is, because it never sees things as they are. It sees, it sees things as they seem to be to its interpretation. It's defined, it's it's identified as a system, therefore it's defined by the system it's identified with. And the system it's identified with is a split system, and it has a dualistic interpretation. So our feeling is, oh, I'd love to know the truth, and it sounds like the truth, the truth, is sort of like an object, doesn't it? Like it's somehow, maybe it's hidden in Iowa, in the cornfield or something. I'm going to fucking search for the truth. You're never going to find the truth. Because it's not a thing. It's not a thing for you to have, for you to understand. Enlightenment is not something that can be acquired. You can't wake up. Do you wake up in the morning? Do you actually, all right, it's, it's five minutes to waking up. I'm in, the, I'm in my, pre, my pre-waking up stage. Okay, check out the launches. How's my bank account before? I don't want to go into this day unless I'm sure. Bank account, uh, fucking Zulu, yes. Uh, oh, all right. The latte's on the table. Oatmeal, okay. Oh, no. I woke up. Yeah. No, I didn't. No, that's not how it works. Yeah. But we believe we can wake up. 
but it's based on the fact that we are asleep, which is the lie. See, it's, you ever see these, these debates on TV? They're like torturous, really. But they bring up a lie, and they repeat it quite a lot, and then the lie is brought to a, like a, a, a talk about, roundabout, and it's talked, it's debated, which immediately gives the lie a relevance it doesn't deserve. So now you're debating a lie where the only thing you need to say about a lie is it's a lie. There will be no more, the TV, you know, the news hour would be, would be like a news minute because it's a lie, shut the fuck up, and stop misleading people. Oh, and then, okay, let's go to our sponsors, which we're losing to after today's program, and blah, 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 blah. It would be done in a minute. We're literally. But what happens is some assumption that's insanely untrue gets le- brought to the level of relevance, and then there's a debate about it, and then it's, uh, it's given life by its... It's just lazy, yeah? So this whole idea of awakening is based on the fact that something that's inherently so isn't inherently so. That I can do something to produce something that's unproducible and can't be done. It's no one's fault. This is no one's there. It's the navigational system is faulty. In recovery, we say a beautiful statement. Beautiful statement. I tell you, one of the highest spiritual quote-unquote books is the big book of AA. I'm serious, man. So many people have, have sectioned it off because they say they're not an addict or not alcoholic. They're really missing out on an incredible display of wisdom. Really. Because this is a beautiful statement. It says, he goes, he asks a question. Why are you in so much fear today? Like self-inquiry, you know? And from an AA guy, from a fucking drunk. Self-inquiry. Why, why are you in so much fear today? And the book's about 200-something pages. If he would have typed people's answers, it would have been a 1,200-page book. But he doesn't even let you answer. There's a period that says, isn't it because self-reliance has failed you? It's so beautiful statement. Because a lot of people think fear is a cause of everything. You know, fear, I'm, I'm fear-based. No one's fear-based. They're self-based. Self is the root of fear. Self is the root of fear. Being identified as a long-lasting, independent, separate entity is the root of fear and relying on that idea. That's it. That's what he's saying. Why are you in so much fear today? Oh, I don't know. I think it's my upbringing. No. It would be like a game show. No. You'd be buzzed off the show. All right. How, why are you in so much fear today? Oh, uh, my girlfriend let me burn. Oh, all right. Why are you so... Uh, uh. So, so finally, I'm relying on self. You get the big prize. Nothing. Come, get it. Where, where? Come on up. <laughs> That's the thing. So he says, why are we in so much fear today? Just a simple question. He's not even asking for an answer because he gives it to you. Isn't it because self-reliance has failed you? So let's say there's thousands of variations of fear. All right? mostly, it's, mostly it's mental anxiety, basically. But let's say there's thousands of variations of manifestations of fear. Usually you think the fear is different about because it's about a different topic, but it's different variations, let's say. But he's saying they're all rooted to a certain Petri dish, which is the mind 
being in a position of relying on something that it's not. Yeah? An idea of itself instead of what it truly is. Yeah? Self is an idea, a mental idea of what we are. That's what it is. It's a, men- it's a mental abs- assumption produced by the brain. You didn't have it when you were a baby. There was no sense of self for the first t- 12 to 18 months. Yeah? There was no sense of self. It, the brain had to develop to the point where the mental state started to occur. And a mental process is, uh, it, I believe, it uses this idea of self to organize this this whole place, yeah? So you, it tries to make sense out of it by saying, everything's happening to me. Yeah, yeah. It would be too scary to just think everything's happening. You would feel like, well, whatever, the mental state would feel very uncomfortable, which is great news. Because if you can, that's why this isn't a place where you're going to be coddled and cuddled. I hope I irritate the hell out of you in a lot of ways, because we need a little more irritation than a little more loving gazing and, oh, come here. No, fucking, let's rub against its surface and see what it brings up, yeah? Let's rub against its surface to see what happens. So, so reliance, I'm sharing a part about out of the big book of AA, and I think there's some people that are in recovery here today, so I want to lay it on you, man. Very important statement. Why are you in so much fear today? Isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? Okay, so you want to break it down? What's reliance on self? What would be the highest form of reliance on anything? Being identified as it. You can't be more relied on an idea than take it to be yourself. You can't. It's the highest level of reliance being identified as it. So, it's in the identification as self that the fear gets to grow. That's the Petri dish. Yeah? The Petri dish that spawns all mental anxiety, all fear, is, is the mind, the big M minds, falling under a spell, seemingly, that it's a body. Yeah? It's as simple as that. Everything arises from there. Yeah. And then the big clinker is this. All right, now you've been, produ- you've been offered this possibility, and it says one of the fundamental axioms is that self can't get out of self. So self, re- fi- hearing that it's the problem, may want to try to leave the problem, but it's going to try to vacate the problem as the problem. This is the deterrent that's very difficult. It's impossible to overcome. You're never going to get out of self as a self. You can't lose... You can't leave the system that's producing you. (laughs) Self can only appear in the mental state. It can't leave the mental state and there isn't going to be you going into the being state. (laughs) The being state is the absence of you. That's the whole point. See, this is the dilemma because we hear that this giant spiritual party is going on and it's great, but the only, the only, the only thing is you can't go. <laughs> no, I want to be there to enjoy the party, but as soon as you arrive at the party, it sucks. And so, okay, all right, well, I'm going to go the back way. And then you try to get in the back way, it still is going to suck. And then maybe, all right, I'm going to take the 5,000-year-old well-worn path to get to the party. It's still going to suck when you get there. Because it's based on your absence. That's when the presence is available. 
The presence isn't available to the false presence that we're calling ourselves to be, which is truly absent. So the whole point is not to look for the truth, but to look at you and see if you're that. If you're not that, then the whole game changes. Yeah. Because now, the freedom that becomes possible is prior to any bondage, not after the bondage. Prior to the bondage. It's a freedom without a second, so to speak. It's a freedom without an opposite. It's a peace that isn't felt based on conflict happening before and after it. It's something totally foreign to the system we're relying on. And this is what we say in AA. You're going to have a new attitude and a new, and a new outlook on life. Not a revamped attitude and outlook. Not another model of the same Ford line. But you're going to have a whole new vehicle. You're going to have a new, a new attitude and a new outlook. It's going to have nothing to do with the old attitude and the old outlook. It isn't like, like for me, there was an old man in AA called Chuck C. who wrote a great book called uh, A New Pair of Glasses. So he would say the thing was that alcoholism is a distortion of how you look, see things, yeah? So alcoholism is like a pair of glasses on that causes you to see anxiety or threats where there aren't any threats. So you see catastrophes when there aren't any catastrophes. You see people out to get you when there's no one out to get you, so on and so forth. It produces like a, a, a funny house type of view of life. Yeah? And the only thing you really cling on to is that you're right. You know, I'm right, they're thinking about fucking me, I'm right, yes? So he would say a new pair of glasses would be the AA program. So you get the AA program, and you put the glasses on the other glasses, and it would correct the first glasses. So now you would see better. But what we're saying here is feel around and see if what you're calling your eyes aren't a pair of glasses. Yeah? You, are, you may have a pair of glasses already in place that you've assuming to have been your eyes since a long, for a long time where you never reach up and touch it. You just assume, oh, this is me seeing. So I need to correct it, so I'm going to have to get something outside of myself and put it on so that thing can help me see better. But if you would feel it, you'd see it's a foreign installment. And when you take them off, you don't need any pair of glasses. You're seeing anew. Like Jesus says, you have eyes to see and ears to hear. The eyes that we're calling our eyes are fabricated. They're formatted. We're looking at everything in a self-centered manner. And it's a perfect description. Our perceptions are centered on selves. Whereas it's centered on things. Our thoughts are centered on things. Our interpretations of sensations are centered on things. It's called self-centeredness. That's what the mental, the mind is relying on. It's relying on what the mental process is presenting and taking it to be God on his truth. The correction is not even a correction. It's you see that the problem cannot possibly be so. That blow-up doll, if you get a bigger picture of it, you're behind and blowing it up <laughs> with your interest and attention. That big boogeyman that you're afraid of, you're right there. <laughs> if you don't give it the breath of life, it does, has no life to breathe on you. 
Any mental process takes time. Any and every process takes time. We are believing a product of a mental process. So our day starts, let's say, at square three. Yeah? On this game board of life. So we wake up, because it's me, and I'm doing this, and I'm seeing this, and I'm having this. So that's the established alpha point of the game board, called life. We believe it's zero. Yeah? If we think there's a God, we think that God is above the game of life, you know, and that we want it to assist us to move around, but we're going to be the peace. But we're at square three, but we think it's square zero. So if you let look at a game board from square three, it's going to look totally different than from square zero. So, okay. The mental process is producing a sense of self. And when after it produces the sense of self, and you now have a sense of being a self, you have a sense of being a historical self. You believe that you have been here. It's produced. You believe that you have been here, and that belief is fortified by memories, which is also a mental process. Yes? So in the memory, every time you remember an event, like we said last night, all you can remember is another memory of it. You can never go back to the event because it's not fucking happening. Yeah? All you do is go back to, all you do is go back to another memory in the memory banks of a mental process. So you're totally, totally running around this rat labyrinth of the mental process attempting to find a solution to what it's producing in it, yeah, as the product. So self wants to get out of self, but as a self. I bet you this isn't the first thing you've ever looked into. Probably not. You probably, some of the people are incredible spiritual shoppers, I'm sure. You know what I mean? They know where all the best bargains are. They've seen every fucking person. They probably listened to someone else this morning, come over here, and then they'll watch someone else's video later on and compare. Oh, let's see. But Paul, but the, but the, but the, but the, and they'll go, all right, eeny, meeny, I think I'll pick him. I like the way he looks, yes. And he's got that loving gaze. I'm looking for that loving gaze. All right, that's the one. And oh, you know. It's like, it would be, you just get a catalog at home, okay? Spiritual, it's like the spiritual guides could advertise themselves. Pick me, pick me. I have that often older adult look. Oh, look at the lamb. I've been to hell. I can guide you, please. You know what I mean? And then you hit a button, okay, beep. I'm with you for about a day. Okay, I'm moving on. I'm going to the gym now. But Mary, ooh, Mary's the one. <laughs> the best anyone can do is invite you yeah, to see from what's already seen, basically. To me, I think the only way you can teach is about what you're not. You can't teach what, about what you are. You can't study about what you are. You can definitely study about what you're not. And in maybe the studying about what you're not and hearing teachings about what you're not, you may get a hit that, oh, what I've been calling me may not be me. 
Maybe it will be finally cast into a healthy suspicion, and maybe you'll see its little rat tail as it scurries under the refrigerator all day, because it doesn't particularly like awareness. It doesn't like the light being shined in on it. It likes to shine its little hijacked light on every fucking one else. It's like here, I mean, everyone can take an inventory of someone else, but go home and try to look at your little actions. Oh, it's so hard to go with it. You're like, I know, oh, fuck, Mary's a fucking asshole. Immediately. It took me one second to size her up. Yeah, but you go, oh, I, but I can't fuck, I can't understand. Jesus Christ. It's all obsession with self. It's all glorification of self. It's everything becomes like a full-length mirror to see your lovely self in. We're all looking at people like projected targets where I can project my image that I think you should be. It's unbelievable. We're like in a world of one. So if it's it's driving you crazy, if there's a feeling or a malaise, like Buddha said, is probably the source of all suffering, that stuff, that feeling of dissatisfaction or just something gnawing at you, little irritability, restless, or discontent, and you don't know that, but maybe you can see by your behavior, it's seeking constantly, so something must be unsettled in there, because if it wasn't, you wouldn't be running around like crazy, probably. You really wouldn't. You'd probably chilled out. See, the pursuit of happiness would turn into a stroll if you were content. If you were content, you wouldn't be moved by so many freaking moving objects. You wouldn't. You'd be chilled out because the greatest solution to dissatisfaction is satisfaction, in a sense. You'd feel satisfied. Your more would be enough. Yes? That would be your definition of more. Enough. Yeah? Enough is such a higher level than more. It's unbelievable. So, but if those things aren't being exhibited, maybe just maybe there's certain something going on that isn't being addressed, but it's playing a huge influence on your life, like a weather front hanging over every one of your sunny days. Yes? Something leaning on the, on the fringe, you know, a little anxiety, a concern, something. That little phantom seems to chase you, your own little shadow, let's say. Well, the solution, in a sense, is to see right where you are, instead of trying to look from where you are, and then to see, to see the truth, why not just look and see where you are, and maybe you'll realize that is the truth. Yeah? Instead of taking the false point of view and trying to find what's true, just turning the searchlight onto what's taken to be the reference, and maybe there'll be no need to seek for the truth, because you'll realize what is the truth. Yeah? Just maybe. That's my hope. Because then you can be just chilled out while you're looking for things. Yeah? If the destiny action figure likes to look at different things, it could be fun. Instead of like a job trying to acquire more knowledge and get the secret message and the secret handshake and working constantly, where's the trick? When is the switch going to be flipped? Or, and how can I keep the switch flipped? And on and on. Maybe you'll just be more relaxed. You know, and what happened with me, really, the need to be liberated was, I was liberated from that. That was the true liberation. I was liberated from the need to be liberated. Seriously. Absolutely no interest in liberation whatsoever. Why would you want to try to get out of an imaginary place? <laughs> it's, a, it's so tiring. It's exhausting, isn't it? I mean, how many hours did you put onto your spiritual path last night? And is it is it worn away when you wake up? 
isn't it? It seems to deteriorate so quickly. <laughs> I mean, I apply so much glue. Why doesn't it stick? I'm mean, constantly applying glue. I want to read this thing from the course. I hadn't visited the course in a while, and then I, I got a chance to speak at a course in Miracle Group in New York, in the Manhattan. So I tried it after I left that place. I thought I'd better look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Considering now I'm seen as an expert in the course, I better look into the course a little bit. <laughs> so I came upon this section, which is in the chapter of the holy relationship, which is a Boom. That's a heavy thing, but let's go this way. So it says, and he's, when I talk about the first sentence, he's talking about the description of, he uses the term ego, yeah, or I call it the sense of self. It's, to me, I think most people have a feeling they have an ego, and it's that feeling of having is the sense of self. So I think sense of self is prior to the objectification of itself as an ego. My own feeling, yeah. So I would more rather go to the sense of self that's being produced than the idea of having an ego and losing an ego, only to be the ego that lost the ego it thought it had. You know, it just seems ridiculous. So go to the petri dish that's producing it, and then the production will stop, and then you'll be the seem to be you'll be rid of whatever. Yeah. So he says here. Yet we have heard a very. This is on page four sixty eight, paragraph three. Yet we have heard a very similar description earlier, but it was but it was an of you. Yeah, the description. Yeah. But still the strange idea which it does accurately describe you think is you. So it's talking about what you're not. Yeah. But you hear the description, but there's still the thinking that it's you. Yeah, it's sort of like you ever hear of Sufism and they have the Enneagram. You ever hear of the Enneagram? The Enneagram is a a methodology the Sufis use to sort of basically categorize any possible combination of characteristics of what we would call, let's say, personalities in the whole world. And they broke it down into nine major person. It's sort of like, instead of seeing millions of Fords, they said there's only nine, like, uh, stock, that, like there's only a Pinto, a Maverick, a Galaxy, you know, nine. And then you're a Galaxy Coupe or a Stacey. So they break it down, and instead of millions of Fords, there's like nine basic models, and then you're a, a convertible of this Galaxy model, let's say. Okay, so they describe it nine, and then they have two subdivisions. So usually have to do with sex and something else. So you're, and so they they present them in seminars, usually led by spiritual teachers. Now, and you do a three day, let's say, retreat, and so you learn what number you are. So they describe and they say, and then the teacher may take you as a personal example. So step up here, Paul. Oh, okay, great. Paul, let me hear let me hear you say something. You're a six, Paul. Oh, thank you, a wise one. And you have a subdivision, and if I was a woman and I had subdivision six sexually, he'd probably ask me to meet him after the meeting. But it's me, so he says you have a subdivision six sexual personality and a four, something like that. So now everyone gets to hear what they are, and they go out at lunch, and they, oh, I'm a seven, I'm a nine. The whole point of hearing what you are is realize you're not. It's describe what you're not. So now you know, oh, I'm a six, and therefore I'm not. Instead, they once, most of everyone stopped, and they had another acquiring of another identification. Now they, I'm a six. Number six, going on Facebook. What number? Number six. Something's, you know, no, you're not. 
That's why we described it. So you would listen, and if it, it felt like it was you, it hit the mark, the next step is, and it's not. Not to go, oh, come in, and add another thing to yourself. Oh, I'm a six. I'm a spiritual seeker with a six this. <laughs> I've been with Ajashanti, and then, blah, 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 blah. Ah, would you go out with me? Look at it, non-dual dating. No one answers the phone. <laughs> Can you describe me? No. All right. Can you describe yourself? No. I'm not here. Oh, I'd love to see you. <laughs> so, this is saying, all right, yet we have heard a very similar description, so about what we're not. Yeah? But it was not of you. See? The description was not of you. That's what I hope we do here. We're describing the antics of the mental state with the hopes that if there's a sense of like intimacy with it, you may realize, oh, I may the act of being identified may have been taking place. Yes? So that you can see it, and in seeing it, it sort of can stop it. Yes? Because you're the main participant in it. So here it goes. You have heard a very similar description earlier, but it was not of you. But still, the strange idea, which it does accurately describe, you think is you. And the thinking may never not think it's you. If there's a relying on thought, the thought that you're relying on is programmed to think of you as a body. It's not programmed for any other thing. It's programmed to think of you as a body. So, reason would tell you that the world you see through eyes that are not yours must make no sense to you. Let's say reason or wisdom, whatever, would tell you that the world you see through eyes, the looking of self-centeredness, yeah, that are not yours, must make no sense to what you are. Make no sense to it whatsoever. To whom would seeing such as this send back its messages? In other words, what, the, what message is... Where the mental state is only sending back a message to the mental state. The message isn't for you. It's for the idea of you. I want to say this again. Reason would tell you that the world you see through eyes that are not yours must make no sense to you. To whom would seeing such as this send back its messages? To whom? To the whom that you're not. It's like the mental state's language the thoughts are language, are the language of a mental state. They're not the language of the heart, or the language of being, or the language of mind, because there isn't any language of mind, the heart, or being. This is totally to inform itself about itself. That's what the thought system is. Yes? If this is not your vision, what can it show to you? What it can show to you, it can show you what you're not. It can be the loving reminder of what you're not. Every time you perceive a thing, you realize it's not them and therefore not you. 
not a practice, not an affirmation. It will become a living realization. In all the seeing, now the seeing itself will convey a message to what you are and it will tell you what you're not. If this is not the, your vision, what can it show you? The brain, the brain, which is what's producing the sense of self, the brain, the brain cannot interpret what your vision sees. The brain can interpret the perceptions that are programmed, the feelings that have been claimed, the thoughts that is it's of its system, that it understands completely. But it has no understanding of vision. It has no understanding of being. It can't claim it. It can't share it. It can't acquire it. It can't be it. The brain cannot interpret what your vision sees. This you would understand. The brain interprets to the body. The brain through the thought system, interprets life due to the body. The body is the reference of the system we're relying on. Self-reliance is the cause of all fear. If you follow, and he hooked what's said here to the AA statement. Self-reliance is the petri dish of all anxiety and fear. The brain interprets to the idea of you being a body. It interprets life and translates it into language and it forms itself that this is happening to you as a body. This radio station will pick up spiritual broadcasts, but when it comes into the system, it translates it. So if the message you hear is you're a lion, it translates that message into you can become like a lion but you'll become like a lion as a self. Yeah. This will override any message that comes into the system. The system will tattoo it as soon as it claims it and translate it so it understands it. Not the vision that you are, but the mental state that you take yourself to be. So now you understand spirituality conceptually. You have an intellectual knowledge, but it's not turning into a sense-felt relief. Yes? You think you know something. The mental state thinks it knows something, but that's not the seeing. That's not the being. That's not it. That's not true knowledge. The, the brain interprets to the body of which it is a part. But what it says you cannot understand, yet you have listened to it. And long and hard you try to understand its messages. You have not realized it is impossible to understand what fails entirely to reach you. <laughs> Please stop trying. No. <laughs> it's a failed system. It's not going to be rehabbed. It's not going to be. It's not going to be transformed into a working system. It's going to be left, hopefully, <laughs> and rely on something greater than it, like we say in recovery. You have to get to a point of finding a power greater than self yeah, and turning your willing life over to the care of that power that's greater than self, that self does not understand, that can't be captured in language, that doesn't get messages through the thought system. It's sort of like the thought system is a horizontal download, and then... 
the true mind is a vertical download. The thought system is a horizontal, it's like a donut around you, a linear donut that you just redo everything. <laughs> so, you, see, you know, it has a different name, but it's the same relationship you were in three years ago. You know what I mean? And it's the same problems you had ten years ago, but they're dressed differently. It just goes on and on and on, and you want fucking relief, but there's no relief. Here, what it is, it's like one of those crazy carousels in a horror movie that you were hoping for the gold ring, you know what I mean? And it's a skull or some fucking thing, divorce papers, something, you know, cancer, diagnosis. What the, where's the gold ring? You know what I mean? Come on, you told me it was going to get great if I only did this or bought that or had this. Come on, where is it? You can't get off. <laughs> Please, I'm on this fucking crazy horse. <laughs> but this is a vertical download. Vertical. It doesn't break, it breaks through. It goes to the innermost, and the innermost in you, like in recovery, we say you have to admit to your innermost self, and the innermost self is not found in the mental state. It goes through. I admitted I was an alcoholic tons of times to get a drink. I admitted I was a drug addict tons of times to get fronted another shot of, of Coke. It admitted to your innermost self, and I that could that was an impossibility that I could do, and it finally happened in a fucking trailer park in 1988 in Calistoga, California, while I was drinking a bottle of Royal Gate vodka with a friend of a friend who I didn't know of mine, <laughs> <laughs> waiting for a mutual acquaintance. We hoped had some money, but me and him didn't. <laughs> And I was drinking a bottle of Rogi vodka, passing it back and forth, and I looked at this guy, and he had a big, bulbous nose and varicose veins on his face, and I said to myself, this guy's a bum. And lo and behold, he was looking back at me like I was a bum. And something happened. It was like the moment of clarity we talk about. And uh, that incessant yakking that was going on stopped. It's halted for about four or five minutes. It's almost like, as a visual description, a portal opened up, and something downloaded in me, and went right to the innermost, and it was like a CNN newsflash, no story, just a big headline, and the headline was, I'm fucked. Now, people who knew me knew I'd been fucked for quite a while, but in a sense, I, had, I was very delusional, so I wasn't admitting to the fact that I was fucked for quite a long time. And it just hit me, crushed me in a sense, but it didn't crush what I am, it crushed what I wasn't. And it crushed it, and then there was a sober assessment. And from that day on, I haven't thought of drinking or using it. It's been over 27 years. And something that no human power could produce was produced. You know? All the terrible hells I visited and all the shit that had happened, getting run over twice in one night and shot at and fucking abscesses and tons of things. My mother crying and wailing for me to get, get better. None of that stuff provoked us. None of the terrible bottoms I had visited. Every time I hit a bottom in life, I'd furnish it and call you over. <laughs> Let's party quick because I'm going to be evicted shortly. We'll come on over. And then I'd go to another bottom and I didn't know, I had no point of how low I could go. I just kept going lower and lower. And something put a stop in a nanosecond, in a timeless moment. I don't need any more demonstration of a power greater than self. 
It's on the effect of it, you know. This whole expression that's been going on for 28 years as this action figure is totally predicated on that timeless moment. There's no way any of any of this would never have even occurred. I probably wouldn't have lasted a week, really. So that part, that going in, finally, finally, what I was heard of itself. Let's say, yeah. And it was the beginning of that thing that was complete, totally complete in no time has now broken open for 27 years. Yeah, and it just continues to break open. I mean, it was totally complete. The download was immediate. It's all done. But the dunning of it has been blowing up for 27 years. What a fucking joy. It's like a description of a statement in a course I always liked, which is, you and I are dreaming this dream, and we're going to dream ourselves out of it. Yeah? It's a beautiful statement. And while we're dreaming ourselves out of it, the dream will get happier. It's pretty nice, eh? So we don't have to kill the dream or deny the dream or get over the dream. The mind itself will use this dream to get out of it. Yeah? It's the dreaming. Why not? So, let me read a little more. So you have not realized it is impossible to understand what fails entirely to reach you. You have received no messages at all you understand, for you have listened to what can never communicate at all. Think then what happens... Denying what you are and firm in faith that you are something else, this something else that you have made to be yourself becomes your sight. You become identified as self and now you look at everything from a self-centered point of view. It co-ops everything, claims it, and now it's using it for its own agenda and its own ends. And I bet, I'm telling you, they're not happy, joyous, and free. <laughs> its ends. Yeah? So... I mean, how much impact does that little paragraph have? It's unbelievable. You know, the most stuff, most potent stuff is so succinct, so so cryptic in a sense, but it has so much oomph in it. You know, when you, when you have a word that you're intimate with and that word represents like space, it's beautiful to hear the word because now that message hits the mark. You understand the scriptures now. You understand what these people you used to hear were really saying. You have the word triggers a huge expansion, like the balloon of mind just blows up. Yeah, you're like the you're like the living like accordion, so to speak. <laughs> so impression, expression, impression, expression, impression, expression, impression, expression. You know the tree by its fruits. You see the expressions, and it leads you back to what, what tree is producing it, and it is not what you've been listening to. It comes from a whole other source, a whole other modality that's not based on self. Yeah? Now you have another stage. You know they have that franchise clear channel? It's unclear channel, right? This is clear channel. You start getting clear channel. You start seeing blue is blue and red and red and you know gray is gray. Things become clear to you with no thought or effort on your part. It's like the clouds part and you see what was always so. And then the clouds come back and you see what was always so. The clouds part and you see what it's always so. Clouds come back and you see what it's always so. The clouds don't have the ability they seem to have before. The clouds don't separate you from what's always so. 
because what's always so is looking at the clouds. Yeah, nothing can get in front of you as you. Everything appears, yes, to you. Nothing it gets between you and you. I have more time to waste, don't I? Yes. I'm bringing in all my my arsenal today. All right. There's another one I like. This is from a, 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 a devotee of Sri Ramana Maharshi. Uh, he was with him his whole life, and I, I just love this this talk. I'm going to share some of it with you. Okay. It allows me to riff. It's sort of like. This, you know, a jazz improviser. Give me John Coltrane's, you know, uh, what is that? Love, know that song? Down, down, down. Yeah, okay. I can go off on that. I can rip. So I'm getting, I gotta look at some chords here. <laughs> so here it says, <laughs> so he says here, if we can reach this point where we accept that we cannot ask, Ramana to solve our problems and still claim oh no, let me go to this way simply stated, the problem is that there is a perception that there is an individual self which wants to extinguish itself so that the state of realization would be, will be revealed and I'm going to throw to itself <laughs> so it wants to experience it owns its own absence <laughs> simply stated the problem is that there is a perception that there is an individual self which wants to extinguish itself so that the state of realization will be revealed but anything which this individual self tries to do to eliminate itself merely prolongs its own seeming existence. Ooh. This is a conundrum. How can I get out of me? Let's see. I thought it was working. It would be wouldn't it be better if I had like an old worn leather book that said uh, you know like it's like Sanskrit. I know it's just a mimeograph. I should have better props. And it'd be more convincing, wouldn't it? If I had one in it. And you know, carried it very. You know, okay. uh, no, I just went to Kinkos and <laughs> So I want to see this again. This part. This is awesome. But if we then try to put out, oh, here we go. Yeah. Yes. So simply stated, the problem is that there is a perception that there is an individual self which wants to extinguish itself. So that's the whole root of addiction, basically. The whole addiction is you're trying to get out of self or kill self. That's why a lot of people kill themselves. They don't shoot themselves in the elbow. They shoot themselves in the head because that's what's driving them seemingly crazy. They can't identify it as something like a foreign installment. So the conclusion is, i got to end for it to end. So they shoot themselves in the head. <laughs> but anything which this individual self tries to do to eliminate itself merely prolongs its own seem- seeming existence. If one sees spiritual practice as something that one does to attain realization, then there is no solution to this problem. Don't believe me. Hey, blame it in him. I didn't say it. 
if one sees spiritual practice as something that one does to attain realization, then there is no solution to this problem. There is no solution because the whole problem stems from the totally false assumption that this individual self has a real existence. This is the primary dilemma. It's not... It's not that you haven't gone to the right place, you're taken off from the wrong place, basically. Yeah? You're planning your trip to Omaha and you bought all the maps, but you're 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 assuming you're leaving from LA and you're not. <laughs> yeah, so you have thirty maps and they've been certified by fucking AAA, but you're mistaken your de- you know, your your departure point. <laughs> you're, you're right where you wanna go to. <laughs> and so but we don't think that. See, that's the dilemma. We know it, but we don't think it. And if we're relying on thought, the thought will override the knowing. Because we'll be relying on more than our own in our knowing. Yeah? Right, so... So the first path along the path... See, so Ramana Maharshi, if you didn't know him, he died about 1950, I think. He was a guy who sat quietly for like nine years, I think, in a cave, never said anything. People came around, and then he realized quickly that they weren't getting it just from the pr- sitting there, just from the presence. So he went, he came out, and the first thing he said, I think, and the first time he ever sh- shared was this very famous, who am I? So he brought into vogue again, not he didn't, but now it is, self-inquiry. So he had a very short little dissertation, like 14 pages, describing this process of self-inquiry. So in other words, turn, on, turn the attention on the subject, to, you know, turn it on to the false subject and see if it's really true enough. You know? In other words, you'll be your own investigative team. Yeah? You don't have to call in detective, you know, fucking whatever. You just turn it in. So, okay. So the first path, and then he also implied that if you had a certain type of condition, then the best way would be surrender, which is the AA way, in a way. AA's way is to surrender, to turn one's will and life over to the care of a power greater than self, because we're not managerial quality, basically. Yeah? I can't be running, I can't. I spent two years in a program, two years, 24-7, and when I left that program of addiction and drug counseling and stuff, I didn't like the people or the, or the place or the person who ran it, but I had to begrudgingly admit that my life was better with them running it than it ever did with me running it. Yeah, see, I could look in around this room. I wouldn't turn it over to everyone, but I would, if I could turn my own life over to most of you, and it, you would do better with it than I do. Yeah. Because this is the dilemma. The dilemma is managing from a false state of reference. You don't see things clearly. So in AA, we, we use the path of surrender. And he's going to talk about it here. The first path along the path to true surrender is not to throw oneself at someone's feet and say, I surrender. It is the cultivation of the awareness and the understanding that there is no individual self to surrender. So surrender the idea of surrender, basically. Yeah? It is the cultivation of the awareness and understanding that there's no individual self to surrender and that this individual self never at any time had, has, or will have any real existence. Sorry, folks. This is bad news day. I don't know. Everyone's getting crestfallen now. It's going to get better. 
Isn't that the promise? It ain't, really. The news is going to get worse. This is, just, this is just the first page. It's going to get really bad. It matters who's hearing it. So here it goes. So now he brings the authority in. When Ramana said on several occasions, who is to surrender what and to whom? It's beautiful, isn't it? Who is to surrender what and to whom? He was trying to drive home this fundamental point that without this understanding that there is no individual self, then all spiritual practices are done under false pretenses. And that meditation, surrender, or self-inquiry done without this constant awareness, and it's not a vigilant, it's not something you do, the awareness is constant. You are never without constant awareness. You have never, ever, ever been without constant awareness. It's just a recognition of a fact. It's not vigilance. It's not hard. It's not a discipline. It's a very relaxed entertaining. So he was trying to drive home this fundamental point that without this understanding that there is no individual self, then oh yeah. Then all spiritual bhanava emulates the self-deception. The best illustration of this point that I have come across appears in a recent publication called The Secret of Arunachala. That's the mountain he lived on. Yeah? The bet, so it says here, it, in it, a devoted a devotee remarked to Ramana that a, pers- that a certain fellow devotee must be well advanced on the spiritual path because he meditated for eight to ten hours every day. So this is Ramana's answer. Oh, replied Ramana. He meditates, he eats, he sleeps. But who is meditating, eating, sleeping? What advantage is there in meditating ten hours a day if in the end that only has the result of establishing you a little more deeply in the conviction that it is you who are meditating? This is the dilemma we're talking about. You do something to undo something and may even be doing it more. This is like in the statement of faith mind where the man says, you can't use activity to produce stillness, that would be activity. Yeah, It's like a conundrum that we can't get out from the selfing. It won't work. Yeah, So that's what he's saying. So there's nothing wrong or right with anything, but there may be a mental format that's casting a shadow on it. And it will be using that activity it's claiming as you being the doer of, not to undo you from that fact, but to strengthen that fact. So the ten hours of meditation may be used to, to produce a sense of being the meditator, like no other sense, because there's nobility in it. It's like golden, it's like golden crazy blue. I mean, the mental state says, man, this is, I'll bond this mind to this, because this is 10,000-year-old practice. It's not just like, oh, I fucking did this today, but I'm doing this. And all these past sages have done this. Yeah. So, the best still is, am I losing anybody here? No? no? You don't mind doing this? You okay? You need the breath? Okay. All right. So, the aspect of Ramana's teachings that one is already realized here and now is widely ignored when it comes to practice. <laughs> but its importance cannot be overstated. Ramana has said, the removal of ignorance is the aim of practice and not acquisition of realization. Like AA, the 12 steps are diminish a mental condition, not produce a spiritual condition. 
They diminish a mental condition that's dominating the experience. When that goes down, the spiritual condition becomes influential. Yeah? You don't want to try to get to the spiritual condition from the mental condition. That would just be promoting the mental condition. So, yeah? So you get the mental condition, you just do the steps. It looks like you're going to get to C, but not by A and B. You do the steps, and these things occur. But they wouldn't occur if you went directly at them. You just do the steps, and they get produced as a byproduct. Yeah? So the mental state diminishes. Ah, then you start seeing anew. Again, the removal of ignorance is the aim of practice and not acquisition of realization. The most fundamental piece of ignorance is that there exists an individual self who is going to do uh, practice, and that by doing practice, this individual self will disappear or be merged in some super being. That's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> Emerging into the super being. I would imagine around 3.15, 3.30, don't miss it. It's just right before we end. And after you give your donations, that's when it's happening. <laughs> See it? Until this concept is eliminated on the mental level, because that's the only place it needs to be eliminated, yes? All it has to do is be eliminated on the mental level. It doesn't exist anywhere else. It doesn't appear to exist anywhere else. It is not an exaggeration to say that one is wasting one's time in attempts to surrender or to inquire, who am I? Correct attitude and correct understanding of this matter are of preeminent importance if the application of Ramana's teachings is to be successful. That's like in Buddhism where they have the four noble paths and then they uh, the four noble truths and then they have the eightfold path. Yeah? And if you look at the eightfold path as a linear process, the first part is right view. Yeah? And I forget the other seven. I think it's right livelihood, right understanding, right meditation, right this, right that, right that. So a lot of times in selfing, you believe that if you start at right, let's say, practice, it will produce the right view. But that doesn't how it works. The rightness of the view migrates into the activities. It's not produced by the activities. Yes? <coughs> That's why it starts first with the right view. So they would give you the understanding of non-self, Yes, with the hopes that, okay, so when you're doing something, it would be a non-doing because there wouldn't be the identification as the doer thereof. Yeah? So you could, instead of trying to clean up a mess, the mess wouldn't be produced. You would stay, yes, yeah. So this is what he's aiming at, in a way. Getting to the direct point. So returning now to the practice of surrender and bearing in mind that necessity of maintaining the right attitude with regard to the non-existence of the individual self, there remains the problem of how to surrender since the mayor desire to surrender invents an illusory person. Who is going to surrender? So how can I get around if I surrender not producing that illusory person who's going to be the one who said it's surrender? He says, well, the key to this problem and the key to all problems connected with the practice of Ramana's teachings is to bypass the mind and move to the realm of being. And there's no, it's not a, you don't need a, you don't need a moving van. It, there's no step there. Yeah? There's no step. There's the mental state as an activity, and then all around it, all under it, all over it is being. Yeah? You don't have to move one inch to drop in. 
So the key to the problem, and the key to all problems connected with the practice of Rama's teaching is to bypass the mind and move to the realm of being, the small mind. One cannot truly surrender without escaping from that vast accumulation of ideas and desires we call the mind. And according to Ramana, one cannot escape or destroy the mind by any kind of mental activity. So the self can't get out of self. Ramana's solution is to let the mind subside to the point where it disappears, the mental state, and what remains when the mental state has subsided is the simple, pure being that was always there. In a conversation and talks, Ramana gives the following illuminating answer. It is enough that one surrenders oneself. Surrender is to give oneself up to the original cause of one's being. One source is within oneself. Give yourself up to it. That means that you, you should seek the source and merge in it. Yeah? Not through the mental state, but from the mental, mental state. Yeah? The merging is from the mental state, not with, as the mental state, or for it, or through it. Yeah? So when there's relief from the mental state, there's the merging. It's not even a merging. There's the sense of being, and the sense of being immediately informs you that it's always been available at all times. And that nothing, nothing at all has ever happened to change that. Yeah? Or will ever happen to change it. Or ever did happen to change it. So, there is an immensely profound statement which not, this is, which not only sweeps away many of the myths that surround the practice of surrender, it also shows an indication that the root to the rediscovery of the self, the big S, you know, or let's say the mind, is the same whether one chooses to label it surrender or self-inquiry. If we examine this statement closely, it is possible to extract three important conclusions regarding Ramana's attitude and approach to surrender. Firstly, there is no external deity or manifestation to whom one must surrender. Secondly, the source of one's being is within us. And thirdly, and most importantly, true surrender is to go back to the original cause of one's being and remain firmly and continually rooted there. Really, there's not much to do. If you look at it, you are rooted there no matter what. So, yes? The true strength is to go back. There's no need to go back. The original state's always here. Yeah? So, every requirement is already fulfilled. That's the end of the session, the end of the day. It's already done. The world can only start with the word but. But. It's already done. You, you and I are already established there. We just don't think so. Yeah? And then, the, then some weird feeling is used to convey that that's true, that we're not there. But the feeling has been totally hijacked. You don't even know what you're feeling, usually. Some people call, they constantly call ex excitement nervousness. Yeah. You have no, the name and forms are so skewered, you don't even know. Oh, I feel angry. Do you really know what you feel? <laughs> there are sensations that occur, and the mental state interprets them. And then it throws it like it's like throwing shit on a wall. Oh, that's you're depressed. Okay, you know what I mean. <laughs> so, I mean, really, 
We never look, we just immediately, okay, contract. It's like amazing. The mental state's fucking amazing as an interpretive scheme. Let's say you're having a great day. How long does it take to start getting antsy? You know, like, when are they going to find out what I'm really like? You know, when is it? Jesus Christ, I don't have a big bank account. Constantly, yeah? But the same head, if it's having a bad day, says it's the beginning of a lifelong depression. Do you want that to really interpret your, your, this life? Do you want that which wants to minimize whatever could possibly be good and expansive and then maximize whatever could be contracting and small? It's like a note with an accordion. It loves the, the long bass ones. The real high points. Come on, can I get another instrument in this orchestra? No. Oh, I'm so bummed out. I can't. I've felt like this forever. Oh, it's eight. No. No. Oh, it's. That's what it feel like slavery. Don't you feel like slavery? How isn't it slavery trying to get back to where you already are? This whole idea of how can I fucking work myself back into the moment? You know, I've done three hours of Pilates today. I freaking drank four live juices. I swear, I scrubbed my face, exfoliated my feet. I freaking. What else? What else can I do? Can I just enjoy this freaking moment? No, you haven't done enough. The mental accountant's up there. It's no, no, no. You've got to. You haven't helped anyone today. Okay, on and on. Isn't it like a slavery? You know that we feel, we believe that we could be out of a moment, and then we have to jump through so many hoops to produce a sense that we're in a moment. But the only moment it's producing a sense of is a mental one. The moment has never left. The here has never. Any time you go, you'll go into the future. When you arrive, or whatever future destination you are entertaining, it's here. Yeah, you never escape the, the parameters of what's so. You've never been out of any moment that you've ever been in, and you've never been in this mental idea. You've just been listening to it. It makes things seem so, but it can never make them so. It has to have your compliance, the mind's compliance, to make what's unbelievable seem believable. And it can only do it for a short period of time. If the eternity ever becomes obvious, the whole story is evaporated, as if it never appeared, because it never has. When you go into deep sleep, where do you go every night? Have you ever brought back any souvenirs from that? Have you? Every night, we disappear completely off the mental map. Don't we? The whole system that's producing this whole kaleidoscopic event, or the interpretation of it, shuts down like the circus leaves town, basically. <laughs> the clowns are all gone, the, the, the dung of the elephants have been cleaned up, everything's thing, and there's no kaleidoscope, whatever thing going on, no monkeys, it's all done. And then suddenly, they're back, he comes back to town, and I go, another show, another day in Toronto, you know? 
Either either you're a trained monkey or you're the monkey handler. You know, you got a boss or you're the employee. You know what I mean? <laughs> they play the tune, and we, my friend here, has this got this contract. I couldn't believe it, and it's thirty three pages long to work for this company. And one of them, it's a strange thing. It said, and she decided to not sign it. And it says, if you steal anything. Or even if we think you've done something, we can. There'll be no way you can ever risk, have restitution. We can do basically anything we want to you if we think you've done something. <laughs> what is Jesus Christ? Like the minority part. I think you're going to kill someone. You're going to jail now. What? Yeah. If you even have thought, if we think, not even that you thought you stole something, but we thought you stole something, we can we can just sue your ass the rest of your life. You need a job, don't you? It's like this is a pact with the devil every day. Thirty-three pages. If you had a deal with, would you, 33 pages? Okay, sign this fucking thing. If I think you're not faithful to me, that's, fuck it, it's over. But I haven't, no, but I'm thinking you've not. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe what we put up with, it's fucking mind-boggling, you know. And they know they were never gonna, we're never, we're just gonna roll over. Jesus Christ. The fear of you know not being taken care of will sell our mother for it. I saw with me an addiction and the prostitution, the incessant prostituting. You know what was incredibly valuable for absolutely nothing of value all day, and thinking you were getting over, which is the mind-boggling thing. I really thought I was getting over. By acting like I like that rich lady so I can live in a house and drive her BMW. When I couldn't, I hated her and hated me. You know, on and on and on it went. Hmm. So, what's it? We go to lunch, Joe? Yeah? (laughs) Thanks. I think I better talk later. Just my own talk. You've gotten very serious in here. (laughs)